know, as Christians, we have to understand and, and be real with where we are. That's what we have to see first, individually. And what where our mindset is and what we desire. Airing the Addisons. I think what God is really calling us back to, it's those individual personal revivals in our own lives where we're like, oh Lord, what have we done? We have minimized you. Promoting truth, wisdom, and empowerment. As the church, man, we should be on the forefront yes. of making disciples, of indoctrination and godly things. If we don't train our kids, they will not be able to stand. Uh-oh. Uh-oh. Aaron Addison's. On American Family Radio, thank you so much for joining us. Um, I'm Miki. And I'm Will. And J-Mac and Richard are on tap. Yes. <clears throat> Sorry, to help us navigate the show. It just is this time of year. It just happens. And until until everything is clear, people are like, that's too much information. Um, it's just, that's what happens. Um, yeah. Anyways, but I'll try not to be so human on this program. <laughs> Um, we appreciate you listening. I'm excited about our show today, our program, whichever word you prefer, um, what we're going to present to you today. Mm-hmm. <clears throat> I'm excited about that. Uh, we're going to talk about grounding our kids in the authority of Scripture. And our distinguished guest uh, today is Ken Ham. And I think the last time we talked to Ken, we were talking about his book, Will They Stand? And you and I have both read that book and we've recommended it. We've referred to it. I mean, it's just it's such a great book. Um and we're going to talk to him today about a new commentary that he has out for families. It's creation to Babel or Babel. Now, Kim, <laughs> Ken, Ken may say Babel. Okay. <clears throat> I'm going to say this one time, only in this segment. I'm not going to say this when Ken joins us in the second segment. Ken is wrong. Okay. It's not, <laughs> it's, not. <laughs> it's not Babel. Okay. <clears throat> it's Babel actually um, because of, <laughs> because of the brilliance that the Lord has imparted to our brother Ken Ham. I'm going to ask him um, which one we should say. <laughs> Probably uh, he'll yeah, say whichever uh, you prefer. He has an accent. Whichever so, you prefer. Yeah. <laughs> doesn't matter. doesn't matter. <laughs> Anyways, yeah. we'll see. So I'm excited about that. I'm, I'm looking forward to talking to him about it. Um, one of the things that immediately grabs our attention and impart the reason for the invitation, I mean, the reason for the invitation is because he is Ken Ham and he has contributed so much to the body of Christ in helping us to shore up our families and defend what we believe. I mean, it's just been, it's, it, I mean, I don't know anybody who would need me to go on and on about that, but one of the things that really draws my attention um, to this particular commentary as it takes a look at Genesis chapter one through Genesis chapter 11 is that it is a commentary for families mm-hmm. and it's not just one particular approach to uh, commentary, if you will. Um, but it's sort of everything that you would kind of roll up into a discussion that you'd want to have with your family. And what do I mean when I say that? And we're going to go back into it. I'm just kind of setting you up for it now though. Um, doctrine, apologetics, and some devotional aspects to it. So all of that, like real-time conversation, what are the implications of what we're talking about? Uh, In fact, you know, as I was just kind of thumbing through it, we have not read through it as a family, although we will. Uh, This immediately makes its way into the family queue. Um, But as I was kind of thumbing through the book, one of the things that I noticed and really appreciated was that, you know, Will the Great, you and I try to take what we're talking about and looking at in scripture and mm-hmm. then bring that to a, a present day context and say, okay, so what does this mean for us as believers guys? Yeah. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like, I mean, if, if we fail to help our kids learn how to apply the scriptures, we don't mean to do this, but we actually disconnect them from the relevance of the scriptures today. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. you like, you could be teaching them some sort of historical book, which that's, you look at the Bible, you are looking at a historical record. You could tell them, 
that it is God's inspired word. This is God's holy word. And you could keep saying that. But if you don't help them to understand the implications of that statement, meaning you apply it to your life, like where the word of God is prescriptive, then you disconnect them from the power and the impact of the fact that we are talking about God's um, holy and inspired word. So anyway, we're going to talk about that today um, when Ken Ham joins us in the second and third segments. Uh, Before we do that, we want to make a few announcements, um, let you know about some things that are going on. And then I, I want to... Again, um, I was reading a commentary and I want to bring it into our discussion just in this segment. And we'll see if we can kind of compartmentalize this um, as the groundwork for why it is so important for us to um, steep our kids, plant our kids, ground our kids in the authority of Scripture. If we don't do this, let me just say If we don't ground our kids, anchor our kids in the word of God, and I'm talking to grandparents, I'm talking to aunts and uncles, I I used to just say parents, you know, but I I realize based on some of the response we get from our listeners that we're talking to more people than than we can visualize um, that are touching the lives of kids and they love Jesus and they can see what's going on. So I just expand that to say, if you touch the life of a kid, if you are a part of a kid's Um, growth and development, you need to see your job as grounding them, anchoring them in the word of God, in the authority of scripture. So anyway, um, let's make some announcements and then we'll see how much of this article I can share. Yeah. Yeah. um, Make sure if you want to email us, you can email us at addisons at AFR.net, addisons at AFR.net. Also make sure that you register for the Marriage Family Life Conference coming up July uh, 7th through the 9th. Here in Tupelo, Mississippi, at the Bancorp South Arena, just go to marriagefamilylife.net, marriagefamilylife.net to register. Uh, also, this coming Sunday, March 20th, from 5.30 to 7.30 p.m. at FBC Baldwin, uh, we'll be speaking at a uh, daddy-daughter date night or banquet, uh, $30 per couple, regardless of how many daughters. If you would like to um, reserve tickets just call 662-365-5201. That's 662-365-5201. And so it's just going to be a good time uh, to have daddy-daughter a banquet. Um, I just want to go back to the conference. Man, you know, people are registering. You know, mm-hmm. uh, yeah, it's, it's, it's good. It's good. Um, I just want to highlight for a minute our youth apologetics track. You know, that's... Uh, one of the big pieces of this conference, this is yes. a conference for the entire family. And so bring your children, you know, um, you can uh, take this as a, a, a trip, you know, during like the 4th of July uh, time. You can extend, extend your little extend break. that. Yeah. yeah. And come on to Tupelo and join <laughs> us. Uh, we have some some excellent teachers who are going to be who's going to be teaching uh, the youth apologetics track and also speakers uh, that will be speaking um in the general session. So if you want to see the speakers, you can go to marriagefamilylife.net. You can see who's uh, going to be speaking. We're going to have a schedule up there real soon, uh, but you can check out the bios and things like that. But it's just going to be a, a great time. Brian Osborne from yes. Answers in Genesis is slated to join us. Yes. As he, a matter of fact. He'll be ministering at the general session and at the youth apologetics track. So wonderful. Yes, yeah, it's going to be great. Guys, we've said this so many times, and and I won't drag it out here because I do want to share a little bit of this article here. But um, 
we we have lost so so much ground because we have downplayed the importance of the ministry to our children. Mm-hmm. Um, we have reduced that ministry. We have made that ministry um, a moment of entertainment to them. And, you know, we've done this, I, I would say, to our own peril yeah. that, that we yeah. have reduced the ministry to children, mm-hmm. <clears throat> excuse me, to something that I think, you know, probably in some instances could not rightly be defined as right. ministry. Right. And I hate to say that. And I know that that's not been in all cases. So I don't want to paint with a broad brush and say that, that that has happened everywhere. In fact, if you're listening and you say, no, we've remained true, we've taken very seriously, then man, praise God and, and kudos yeah. to those ministries um, that have done that. That's important. I think largely what we have found in the body of Christ, and this is unfortunate, is that we have followed trends. Mm. So we have followed what was popular, what was trendy, what they were, quote unquote, doing now or what they're doing these days. And we've moved away from the authority of the word of God and preaching the truth, um, which is unchanging, which is not something that, you know, you say, well, you know, what are they talking about these days? I mean, it should have always been the word. It should have always been the word. Amen. And as it is, we've lost so much ground and we live in a very wicked society that has increased in its wickedness, man, exponentially. I mean, it's mm-hmm. just amazing to look even from one year to the next, the right. types of things that we're talking about here recently. And you've joined us. We've been talking about what's going on down in Florida. You can expect to see these kinds of battles um, all throughout the country. It's the same thing with yeah. critical race theory. Once there's a spark that starts to fly where parents say, wait a minute, you're, you actually believe that we have no say in the growth and development of our children. Like we, we heard that that was a rumor, but now you, you actually have the gall to like admit it. I mean, like you're saying it, you know, out loud. Mm-hmm. And I think what you're going to continue seeing is all across this country, parents are going to rise up. Now, I don't understand. Now, I would, well, I don't know how critical race theory made it to the ring before the gender ideology thing. Because this has been going on way longer than the proliferation of critical yeah. race theory, at least at the the grade school and high school levels. Yeah, I, I, well, I kind of think they they arrived almost at the same time. You I think mean, so? Not, not with as much fervor, I think, as the mm-hmm. CRT as far as, but I think you know, um, it it's been there. I, I don't know if we don't see. That's that's the question that I would have. Or uh, do we care more about? you know, our children being taught to maybe like hate the country and hate, you know, it seemed like it, it, it pushed a, a, a particular button for, mm-hmm. for parents that some you of know, the other stuff, because you get in, get labeled intolerant and like mm-hmm. hateful that maybe parents might shy away from a little bit. Didn't see it as harmful, maybe yeah. as the pushing of critical race theory, yeah. which I think yeah. um, is a little bit, I mean, that's a shame. They're yeah, they're both harmful yeah. uh, in different ways. Both are pushing lies uh, and inaccuracies, and right. that's saying it mildly. But, you know, I want, I want to say this to be to be fair here. I think what may have happened was that in schools across this country, maybe there was greater subtlety in the proliferation of mm. these gender ideology um, classes or the lessons or um, the having it kind of being baked into curricula across the country. Just to be fair to parents, I think what may have happened was that because critical race theory became so overt Mm -hmm. and so obvious. And I think that that the reason for that being so overt and so obvious Mm -hmm. was because 
I think initially parents didn't realize that it was cloaked. Mm. You know what I mean? And so I think that you have people who were empowered to just keep going, just keep moving. Mm -hmm. And I think maybe now you see with the gender ideology battle, um, sort of the, the cloaks coming off, if you will. And so now parents are trying to say, wait, you're teaching that. And we stand in opposition to that. So I just want to be fair there, just as I think it through, because I, you know, that's one of the thoughts that I've had. I, I, I thought, wait a minute, this has been going on for a long time. Even before we were talking about critical race theory, we were talking about bathrooms and we were talking about locker rooms and we were talking about days of silence. And we were, so in my mind, I'm like, you know, this, this has been going on for a long time. So, but I'm, I'm trying to always, you know, I say always, I want to find ways to be fair. Um, this article at war with science, gender bender ideologues don't believe in democracy or debate was written by a man named Tim Graham. He's a director of media analysis at the media research center and the executive editor of the blog newsbusters.org. And I was reading this, um, this commentary here and I know I'm not going to get to all of it, but he begins this way. Tom Bevan at real clear politics shared on Twitter, a local horror story from the Chicago area. His fifth grader came home from school with a vocabulary assignment in science class. The words included transgender, cisgender, non-binary, and consent. Now, Tim Graham continues in his commentary. He writes, the last word carries the most irony, that last word being consent, Mm. because the educational elite in this country isn't interested in the consent of the governed. Now, I want to pause there for a second because I actually find a bigger issue with the last word consent. And it's one that I've presented even when I speak on these issues directly to parents. Parents often think that when their kids are being taught consent, that their kids are being taught to say no. No, that's not that's not at all what's happening. (laughs) What's happening is that kids are being taught that they have autonomy and that they can give consent. They Mm. can give consent. And when they have been so hypersexualized, they are taught to say yes above and beyond what might be the prohibition of the parent. If the parent says no, the kid is taught you have bodily autonomy. Yeah. You can consent. Parents automatically hear this and think that it's meant to be the protection of the kid or for the protection of the kid. Yeah, you teach a kid consent. You think wrongly that that means you teach a kid to say no. No, what you're teaching the kid is that you can say yes. Because remember, all of the lessons align with yes and everything. All right. um, I'm going to have to leave it right here and we're going to grab the break and we come back. We're going to talk about creation to Babel uh, commentary for families. The latest offering from our brother Ken Ham, Aaron the Addison's American Family Radio. Stay right there. In my brokenness, you are close to me. In my weakness, in my strength. You are high lifted up, you sit high up on the throne. You are God, you are God, God alone. Welcome back to Aaron the Addisons on American Family Radio. We appreciate you listening. I'm Miki. And I'm Will, and that's Darius James with You Are God Alone. Our particular focus on this program is equipping families to defend the authority of Scripture and to live, to live the biblical worldview that we say we have. Um, in particular, as it pertains to the defending of our faith and teaching our kids to do that as well. And so it's really neat for us to um, have another conversation with uh, Ken Ham, who mm-hmm. is one of the top biblical apologetic speakers in North America. 
I feel like he, I, I really do feel like Ken Ham doesn't need a huge introduction, um, but you might learn something. So I'll just share. He's the CEO and founder <laughs> of Answers in Genesis US, the highly acclaimed Creation Museum and the world-renowned Ark Encounter. Um, he is an author and has sold over 3 million copies of his impressive collection of more than 25 best-selling adult and children's books. Ken, did you write this about yourself or did someone else write this? <laughs> no, about I don't you? write it. I, if okay. I wrote about myself, I'd say he's from Australia. You know, <laughs> <laughs> you know here, here we go. So we're going to talk about this. So I, I learned about this devotional, this commentary for families uh, several months ago because we um, get lots of information from Answers in Genesis. And so we get our updates via email. And so we were watching um, your conversation about this commentary a few months ago. I was watching it with my then 11-year-old. He's now 12 years old. And one of the conversations we had, and so this is the most important question that I have to ask you. Um, is it creation to Babel or creation to Babel? Uh, it's creation to Babel. Mm. Or creation <laughs> to Babel, depending on what country you're in. See, that's what I think, too. Yeah, okay, good. Um, we didn't, Will the Great thought you were wrong in, in saying, <laughs> I'm just kidding, I'm kidding. I'm, I, that's, that's not true. Okay, A lot anyway. of people in America say Babel, I say Babel. <laughs> Man, the thing, the problem I have with it, though, Ken, is that you're so smart. It just seems, you know, we, I, I it makes me doubt that we, maybe, I feel maybe we should be saying Babel, Babel, Well, is it Babel. controversy or controversy? Oh, hmm. controversy. Is it aluminium or aluminum? Aluminum. Oh, wow. <laughs> See, you therein know, lies it, the problem. I won't tell you who's got the problem, but it's not the Australians. Good grief. Do you, do you guys say aluminum? What do you say? Aluminium. Is that I what mean, you say? I, we say it the way it's spelled. Aluminium. aluminium. And I was born in the town of Cairns, spelled C-A-I-R-N-S. But the R is oh. silent like the Z in potato. Same sort of thing. There's a... <laughs> Listen, wow. you know, I'm going to, I, I don't know what to, I'm all, I can only blame this on Vegemite. I can only blame this on Vegemite. That's, that's all I You've got. You've got to have a high IQ to eat Vegemite. So. <laughs> oh, wow. wow. Oh, wow. This is a family affair here now. Okay. Let's talk about Creation to Babel, um, this commentary that you've written for families. Please describe it and um, tell us how you envision families using this. Well, you know, I've always wanted to write this commentary because, you know, the Answers in Genesis ministry is an apologetics ministry, and we do focus uh, uh, particularly on Genesis 1 to 11, uh, even though we're on about the whole of the Bible and we're on about the gospel and we're evangelistic and we're on about biblical authority. But Genesis 1 to 11 is the foundation for all of our doctrine, for the rest of the Bible, for our Christian worldview, and we live in an era that I would say started in the 1800s where Genesis 1 to 11 has come under incredible attack. Mm. And a lot of the church has given up Genesis 1 to 11. Either they downplay it or say it doesn't matter or compromised it with evolution of millions of years. But it is the foundation for all doctrine. And, you know, over the years, one of the things I've seen is that there's been a generational uh, loss in the church, a decline of the younger generations. Mm -hmm. And we have more and more of the younger generations who identify as LGBT and, you know, their, their morality is basically based on their feelings and so on. Mm. And I believe a lot of it has to do with the fact that we haven't taught them the foundation of God's word beginning in Genesis. Because if you think about it, 
if you want to know about marriage, where should you start? Genesis mm -hmm. 1 to 11. Right. Genesis, gender, Genesis 1 to 11. Abortion, you have to start with Genesis 1 to 11. Mm -hmm. uh, the, the whole gospel, you start with Genesis 1 to 11, the origin of sin and so on. Uh, why do we have a seven-day week? Genesis 1 to 11. Why did Jesus die on a cross? Genesis 1 to 11. Why does man have dominion? Why does man have to work? Why, mm -hmm. uh, why do we wear clothes? Genesis 1 to 11. Mm -hmm. And Genesis 1 to 11 is the foundation for our whole worldview. And over the years, you know, I've been 40, uh, 40 plus years in this ministry, I've been asked a zillion questions about Genesis 1 to 11. And I've always wanted to write a commentary, verse by verse commentary, encompassing all that I've been asked, all the different questions. And yet uh, going through the meanings of the words like the word day and so on and doing it verse by verse, but in a way that the whole family could understand and read. So it's a unique commentary. It's it's a it's a Genesis 1 to 11 verse by verse commentary um, that deals with apologetics. It deals with the foundation of, of all of our doctrine and it has a devotional aspect and a scientific aspect all uh, wound into one commentary but to be able to be understood by the whole family so it's very mm. unique oh yes it absolutely is and i will say this that one of the first things i noticed about it and and i i want to go back to this conversation i kind of want to just touch on it for a second and then continue on and then maybe circle back to this nearing the end of our conversation. But one of the things I immediately noticed are, this is going to show my high intelligence, the beautiful um, pictures. <laughs> it's one of the first things I noticed. But I also noticed the care taken to be as accurate as possible. And I think that that is something that many people would um, associate with you, Ken, just being accurate in the way we depict um, what we're talking about from Scripture. But you do this even with the color of the the, the characters that are drawn, that the, the art in the book. I think this is something that we've lost in the church. Maybe it's come down to compromise or to say it gently, maybe just a little bit of ignorance that we've told our kids one story, but we've often depicted mm. those stories inconsistently or erroneously. And I think it causes um, doubt in the minds of our children. We don't even realize that we've done this to them. Well, you know, uh, a lot of books, a, a lot of children's books that deal with Genesis, you'll often see Noah's Ark looking like a bathtub up with giraffes <laughs> sticking out the chimney about to sure. sink at any moment. And although they're cute, it is not what the Bible teaches. And mm -hmm. it's cute but dangerous because, you know, atheists, uh, one of the questions that they will use to try to indoctrinate kids is, oh, Noah couldn't get all the animals on the ark. And of course, if we have these bathtub arcs, kids will say, no, Noah couldn't get the animals on those. And, and lots of other things too, like, you know, uh, you see kids' books with the Garden of Eden and they'll have Holstein cows in the Garden of Eden. I don't know why it's Holstein. It just seems to be Holstein cows. I don't know why. <laughs> but, um, but Holstein cows, that's a, their species of uh, domestic species of cows, of cattle, but the cattle kind that would have been on the ark, um, they, over time, gave rise to all the different types of cows that we have today. Mm. But it teaches kids the wrong idea because they mm. think, oh, all the all the different types of cows, all the different types of horses and so on, God made in the Garden of, of Eden. But that's not true. He made the original kinds and those kinds were represented on the ark, came off the ark. And the reason this is important is because what you find the secularists and 85 to 90% of kids from church homes go to the public schools mm -hmm. and they're told that, oh, evolution means change and animals change. Oh, look, we see different species forming. That's, that, that's change. That's evolution. 
and uh, they, they say, did your parents, you know, teach you or your church teach you that God made all the animals we see today? Well, that's not true. They formed by by change over time. And then they think, oh, well, the Bible can't be, can't be true then because I see pictures of the animals we have today or poodles or whatever in the Garden of Eden. So, so you know, even in the artwork, it's very important to get yes. things correct. And I find most children's books that are illustrated have a lot of incorrect things uh, that uh, they have even in the pictures and it subtly indoctrinates the kids uh, in, in many different ways. Yeah, absolutely. And I think at this point, it's important to remind our listeners of the amazing opportunity that they have to visit the Ark Encounter. Yeah. Um, we were there in September awesome. with all six of our kids. And even as we have tried to lay <clears throat> a firm foundation there is something special and unique about walking through this arc and, and really getting a picture and an understanding of the design elements and what mm. God really showed Noah, instructed Noah to build. I think it really undergirds and, and just sort of anchors our kids in a way that just sort of being haphazard in the way we draw things mm. doesn't. Well, you know, um, a lot of people have told me when they come to the Ark or the Creation Museum, that, that it really helps make the Bible come alive for them. Yes. I mean, at the ark, when I, I've seen little kids who haven't been there before, and as they come up in the shuttle bus that comes from the parking lot, and they mm -hmm. round that corner, and you mm -hmm. suddenly see yes. this big ship yeah. made out of wood, <laughs> one and a half times the length of a football field, and standing 15 feet off the ground and 10 stories high at the bow end, and they go, wow. And I've heard little kids say, Noah could fit the animals on that one. And yes. so they, they get it just by looking yes. at that. Yeah. And, you know, it's the same with the Creation Museum. But the Creation Museum, a centerpiece, is a walk through the Bible. And mm -hmm. even little kids, even if they don't want to read the signs or can't read the signs or whatever, they, they you still experience Adam and Eve. And, and, you know, we make sure that they're middle brown. They're not so-called white or so-called black. They're middle brown, mm -hmm. uh, representing the fact that, that you know, all shades uh, of uh, the one skin color that we all have um, is be is because God put a mixture of those genes originally. But but we want we want them to understand, you know, accuracy in in regard to what it would so have been good. like in the Garden of Eden, and then the fall yes. of man, and the flood, Tower of Babel, and so on. Yes, it's so good, and that's yeah. that. Even that would take us back to another one of the questions that we could ask in the, in the series of questions that you know, why do we wear clothes? You know, um, why do we take the position that we take on abortion? Why is abortion sin? Um, how do we define and understand marriage? You know, we go back Genesis one through eleven. Also, how do we understand shades? How do we understand mm. um, ethnic groups? How do we understand languages? Go back to Genesis one through eleven. And so, since we're here, let's just kind of stay here for a minute, Ken, because I think right now our culture is having a moment where we shouldn't in the church be having the same moment that our culture is having because we have the authoritative word of God. So there shouldn't be confusion or questions. We should just go back to the scriptures. But even if we, if we go back to the scriptures, we find these answers, Genesis 1 through 11, um, the Lord made it very clear that he made two individuals and from all of these individuals came everybody else. Um, Tower of Babel, this or Babel, this moment <laughs> where we have the confusion of the languages. Talk about the importance of making sure that our kids understand this so that when they are out in the world, they are not taken hostage by these deceptive philosophies. Oh, you're, you're, you're quite right. And, you know, it's important. You know, even before I just answer that question, if I can real quickly say something else. Sure. Yeah, just sort of leading up to that. Uh, and that is you just listed off a number of issues, marriage, abortion, uh, and, uh, you know, talking about races, racism, 
Uh, we can talk about gender. Uh, a lot of people look at those and they say, how do we as Christians deal with each of those? Because they're looking at them as all different problems. Now, if we truly understand what it means to have a Christian worldview, all of our thinking as Christians starts from God's word. Amen. And for those who don't build their thinking on God's word, they start with man's word. Mm. Now, all of those different issues aren't different problems. They're different symptoms of the one problem. They've got the wrong foundation. So mm. they, they have a whole different view of those things. For Christians, we start from God's word and we build our way of thinking. And as we as we build our way of thinking, we start from God's word. We know marriage is a man and a woman. We know there's only two genders because God made male and female. When it comes to the human race, we know the two that he made were Adam and Eve. Mm -hmm. And uh, by the time of the flood, there are only eight people that uh, went on board that ship. They come off the ship. And then the Bible tells us in Genesis 9 that the sons of Noah, Ham, Shem, and Japheth, gave rise to all the nations on the earth today. And as you read through what happened, we have an event called the Tower of Babel in Genesis 10 as a list of the table of nations. And uh, and it, it, it talks about the fact of uh, that uh, the sons of Shem and the sons of Japheth, and the sons of Ham and so on, uh, that that their, um, their descendants uh, moved away from each other according to their family group and according to their languages. And then Genesis 11 tells us the actual event, what happened. It was a Tower of Babel. God gave mm -hmm. different languages. And so when you read uh, Genesis 10, it looks to be about 70 different family groups that moved away uh, to form the different cultures, nations that we have today, which means about 70 different languages uh, to, to start with. And as they move away from each other, because of all the information God put in our DNA, in our mm -hmm. genes, that he put in Adam and Eve, then depending on who marries who, who dies out, what groups are isolated from each other, you get distinguishing characteristics of those particular groups. Uh, but we all go back to Ham, Shem and Japheth, mm -hmm. and we all go back to Noah, back to Adam. We're all one race. There aren't mm -hmm. any different races of people. Right. When it comes to skin color, uh, for instance, everybody has a, a pigment called melanin, mm -hmm. and melanin is a brown pigment. We have some other pigments, but that is the main pigment that we have in our skin. And so everybody is brown. There are no black people, there are no <laughs> white people. We're all brown. Yes. It's a matter of what shade of brown you are. That's right. And if you end up with a group that had genes for for um, lots of melanin, you'd be very dark. You end up in a group that have genes for a little bit, you're very light, or you can mm -hmm. be uh, anywhere in between. And so, we, you know, it's interesting that what the world does starts from man's word and uh, mm -hmm. looks at people and judges people uh, according to their outside. Critical race theory, for instance, mm -hmm. teaches people to judge people according to their outside. Well, the, the Bible in, in, in more than one place tells us not to judge according to outside. In fact, when people come into church that you don't know, for instance, uh, into your midst, you don't judge them according to their outside. Mm -hmm. When uh, Samuel was going to go and anoint the king, he looked at the outside and thought it was one of David's brothers. And yes. God said, no, I, you got to look at the inside. I refuse that one. I look, I, I look at the inside. Man, mm -hmm. man looks at the outside. And so we've got to remember it's our heart, the inside that matters. Amen. You know, it's amazing. And we're going to go to break here. But you actually addressed this. And I, I was looking at this in Chapter 17. Um, you say we need to do away with race. And then you say we need to be reprogrammed. 
Um, in fact, we need to have our minds renewed. We need to no longer be conformed to the patterns of this world, which is what you see everywhere. Everywhere you see conformity. Even those who think that they're nonconformist, if they have not recalibrated themselves with the word of God, then they are conforming to the patterns of this world. We'll pick up with more of this on the other side of the break. Aaron the Addison's American Family Radio. Stay close. Welcome back to Aaron the Addison's on American Family Radio. We really appreciate you listening. I'm Miki. And I'm Will Nesfield Wickham with Living Hope. And our guest today is Ken Ham. We are discussing his latest book, Creation to Babel, a commentary for families, a unique commentary for families. And we're talking about why it is so important for us to ground our kids, to anchor our kids in the authority of the word of God. Can't talk about this enough. You know, I want to toggle back to something that when we kind of began our discussion, we were talking about um, in the 1800s, uh, the compromise on the word of God, the attack on the word of God. Uh, many of us would be familiar with this as uh, higher criticism, where mm. you have this sort of academic look at the word of God, and maybe this is hyperbole, and maybe that isn't true. And I think one of the biggest problems was that the church entered into sort of this compromise, this agreement that, well, we'll let you have that if you let us keep this. And when you start down this road of compromise, then what you're doing is you're altering the word of God. Yeah. Ken, I'm, I'm curious to know your thoughts on how we reclaim the truth and the authority and, and um, exalt that or uplift that uh, in the training and the rearing of our kids. Well, it really has to start at the home, uh, you know, with the family. I think, first of all, we need to understand that the family is the first and most fundamental mental of all human institutions, God ordaining scriptures, the family mm. that God uses as the educational uh, unit of, of the nation. It's a family God uses to transmit that spiritual legacy from one generation on. to the next. Yes. And it has to start in the home with families uh, raising up their children. And, and, you know, I would say there's two big things that have been missing from much of the church. There's a number, but two of the big ones are to be thinking foundationally, to understand what it means to have a true Christian worldview, that you start mm -hmm. from God's word, not from man's word. I mean, God is the only one who knows everything about everything. He's revealed to us the key information we need. And actually, Genesis 1 to 11 is the foundation for the rest of the Bible and for our whole worldview. And the second is equipping them with apologetics. And by apologetics, you know, First Peter 3.15, always be prepared to give an answer or an apologetic um, we need to equip them with answers to the attacks on God's word today so that they won't be led astray. Mm -hmm. Most of our churches are not doing that. Some are, but the majority are not. A lot of our churches are compromising God's word with man's word. And mm -hmm. that therein lies a major problem. And so it's got to start uh, in the homes with, uh, with parents raising their children. And we've also got to start being an impact uh, on our on our neighbors and friends and other family members, but on our own church. And I think we've got to be challenging our churches as to are we really raising up generations to be thinking foundationally equipped with apologetics? Are we doing it in our in our uh, programs for kids, uh, mm -hmm. our Sunday schools, our Bible schools? Are we doing it in our youth groups? What are we doing? And put pressure on the churches 
to be doing this. You know, if we if we want to be salt and light out there, we've got to raise up those who are filled with salt so they mm-hmm. can be out there to That's be right. salt. Amen. Yeah, talk about the combination that is in this commentary. Let's talk about um, blending apologetics, doctrine, science, and even devotional writing, why that becomes so important and why this is something probably that we should see replicated as we talk about our outreach and our ministry and our teaching and training of our children. Uh, well, I'm glad you sort of picked up on that because um, this is how I believe we should be teaching our children. In other words, you know, you can go and get a commentary uh, on, say, well, Genesis, for instance, and as you read through that commentary, it goes through the meanings of all the words and the Hebrew words and goes through them in detail and, and what this means and that means. And, and that's important. That's important to have. Um, but we, th- this commentary is, is meant to be one to teach us the way I think we should be teaching our children. In other words, here's what the Bible says. Now, um, what is the world doing and how are they trying to mm-hmm. attack God's word at this point here? So let's also equip you with with those answers uh, so that you're not going to be led astray. And and that those answers can involve talking about scientific things and so on. So let's make sure that uh, we understand how this um, uh, how this uh, impinges on on science and and how science confirms God's word so we can understand that. And then what's an application uh, in our lives as well, or some some things to think about in regard to the spiritual aspects. And for instance, you know, just even talking about God as creator to stand back and um, and and, and uh, to to basically uh, realize how big God is and how small we are. Like even talking about the you know, why God made the sun, moon and stars. I mean, on day on day four, it just says he made the stars also. It's almost like an afterthought. Oh, yeah, I made the stars. Yeah, a few billion galaxies with billions and trillions of stars and Amen. so on. Um, and and why, why is that there? Well, um, the heavens declare the glory of God is to show yes. how great God is. And you realize mm-hmm. we are so small compared to God. He is, he is so great. Then at the same time, we talk about the fact, hey, wait a minute, you know, the world today is teaching that the stars came before the earth and there was this big bang. And so you counteract that and give the answers. So you see, you're teaching what the Bible says, you're teaching apologetics, you're teaching the devotional aspect. And that's what I do all the way through in this. And that's how we should be teaching our children, I believe. I just, you know, I don't know how we how we turn the ship that we're on that has become sort of like a state of compromise. I, I, I'm with you 100%. I believe that it has to begin with the family. I'm wondering if you could also address maybe sometimes um, we parents feel inadequate. We feel like we don't have the resources or we feel like we don't have the ability to answer some of these questions. And, and I would even say, Ken, that if you add to this, that for many parents, their kids are being um, indoctrinated. I know people think that's a strong word, but I do describe um, a government school setting as a, as a type of indoctrination. And so you find the parent is left to compete against that. And then the parent feels ill-equipped because the kid comes home and the kid is almost kind of convinced now in the opposite direction and the parent says, well, I've, al- I've always taken this by faith and, and I have not, you know, delved into this deeply and I don't know how to answer these questions. Um, so the parent kind of shies away. We continue doing this. And, and I would say simply we, we continue losing 
this this commentary, I think, helps us in ways that maybe we don't even realize because it empowers us. It gives us some of the answers that maybe um, we might be afraid to address. You know, why is it that millions of years is incompatible, not only with the biblical record, but what we see in creation? Can you talk a little bit about that, Ken? Well, you know, first of all, you know, you said about turning the ship around, and I, I just like to remember that, um, you know, one of the things that we need to make sure we do is be faithful to the Scripture, uh, to do what God's commanded us to do in regard to our own families and our own children, and to do the business of the King until He, till He returns. Sometimes Amen. it seems like an uh, a very daunting task when you look out there and you say the the world is so powerful, the, the media, the education is just so powerful and you feel so overwhelmed. But you know what? Uh, God ha- has called us as parents to make sure that uh, we look after our children and raise them up as best we can according to the principles in Scripture. And that's one of the reasons that, you know, the Ministry of Answers in Genesis exists, because we recognize, look, a lot of parents out there, they've told me, look, I'm not a scientist. I don't understand science. That's okay. God has raised up people to enable us to provide you with the information to help yes. you and and to help you to be able to train up your kids and to be able to give them these answers. And, you know, obviously there needs to be we need to be praying for our children and, and so on. But at the same time, we, we as Christians, we can't just say, oh, I believe it by faith. Don't worry about that. Mm-hmm. The scripture itself says, be prepared to give reasons for what you believe. And it tells, tells us to go out and to contend for the faith and train up our children in the ways they should go. And we've got to make sure we don't abdicate our responsibility and just hand them over to the schools or to mm-hmm. the churches That's or right. somewhere else. That's the kids right. are our responsibility. God entrusts them to us. They're an heritage from the Lord. They're, they're a gift from the Lord to us. And we have got to take uh, th- th- that responsibility and understand that that the priority for us is to make sure we are giving them the right education and preparing them for this world. And and to, to, to do that, you're going to have to study. You're going to have to read. You're going to mm-hmm. have to get some resources. You can't just sit back and do nothing. And so there is a responsibility on behalf of the parents to say you've actually got to do some things. I, I remind people, look, every child is a being who was conceived in his mother's womb who is going to live forever and ever and ever and ever and ever and ever and ever, and ever in heaven or hell. Mm-hmm. And what an awful, awesome responsibility for each one of us to recognize, wait a minute, the eternal value of, of one child, is, I, I mean, I, you, it, it, you can't put a value on that. And mm-hmm. so, therefore, we need to put all we can into educating them and doing our best. But that's where we can help, help, and you know, that's why we built the attractions, the Ark Encounter yes. and Creation Museum, so parents can bring their children here, and let those attractions and all the research and that we put in there help to let them help to also impact them and educate them and equip them and give them the right foundation. I tell you what, if you bring your kids up with the right foundation of God's word, equipped with answers, it'll be it'll be with them for the rest of their lives. I'm not there's no guarantee of salvation. Each one mm-hmm. has to answer for their own sins, but at the same time it has a big impact on them. Amen. You know, I, I know that we're not actually talking about the book, Will They Stand? But I just I think that that's that's one of your great contributions to the body of Christ. And I, I just want to say at this moment, it was so encouraging for us, for for Will the Great and myself to read that book and to read a lot of your personal accounts in the rearing of your own children mm-hmm. and to see that the Lord, by the power of the word of God and also his leading you by a spirit, that he led you and your wife to make decisions that maybe in the moment your kids could not appreciate, 
But being on the other side of that, you were able to write that they, man, they looked back on that and they said, thank you. Or this was good. I'm, I'm glad that you didn't let me go do this because we later learned about this. And, and I just wanted you to have a moment, maybe just to encourage parents that we can trust the leading of the spirit. We can trust the Lord's word in the rearing of our children, because as it is, you're looking back on this, not only with kids and grandkids, but you've seen the faithfulness of God as you've been faithful to execute the scriptures. Well, you know what? Um, one of the things that my wife and I recognize, we're just fallible, finite human beings. And, and you know, you think of uh, how we're going to raise children, but God has given us his word yeah. and he's laid it out for us and he gives mm -hmm. us all the principles there. And if we're willing to study God's word and apply those principles, and, and I do outline, uh, you know, a lot of the basic principles in that book, Will They Stand?, uh, which my wife and I have used in, in training our children uh, what a tremendous uh, impact uh, it can have on them. And again, as I say, there's no guarantee of salvation, but the more that you raise your children the way the Bible says, for instance, in, in you know, our kids are be to, to be salt of the earth, but you can't be salt till you have it. You've got to put that salt mm. in and as uncontaminated as possible, which means pouring in the truth uh, of, of God's word and equipping them ready for the world uh, that they're living in. We have to understand what the attacks of the world are today so that we can equip those kids ready for this world. Don't just, it's not just a matter of teaching them some Bible verses. Mm -hmm. uh, certainly, you know, our faith comes by hearing, hearing by the word of God and God's word convicts and God's word will not return on him void. But for a lot Amen. of people, they think, oh, if they just teach them some Bible verses, that'll be it. That, you know, God's word itself warns us that the devil's going to use the same method on us, which means on our children, that he used on Eve, which is to get them to doubt the word of God. And so we've got to look at what are the attacks today? A lot, a lot of what they're taught in the public schools, for those who go to the public schools, uh, cause them to doubt God's word. We've got to make sure we're giving them those answers. And again, that's, you know, that's why we have a ministry called Answers in Genesis. So yes. we have all of these books and resources and DVDs and uh, curricula and we have homeschool Bible curricula, for instance, and and uh, Sunday school curricula and all sorts of other books so that you can give them those answers. And you know what? I, I can encourage parents. I've, I've met many, many people, and I guess be, I'm getting older, so <laughs> I'm meeting a lot more people now who are saying, I remember hearing you when you spoke when I was six years old and you talked wow. on dinosaurs and the Bible and my parents <laughs> got your material. I've been brought up on these answers, and now I'm bringing my kids to the Ark and the Creation Museum and bringing mm. them up on it. That's the impact. I, I hear that more and more and more mm. from Praise generations God. of people. Wow. That's so, awesome. Ken, I, I would imagine that our listeners can go to Answers in Genesis to pick up their copy of Creation to Babel. I, I, I feel pretty comfortable or no? Should they go somewhere else? <laughs> Absolutely. Uh, <laughs> AnswersinGenesis.org is our main website, and we have a big online store there uh, for Creation to Babel and, of course, all the other resources that we have. And I encourage them to come and bring your, bring your kids, bring your families to the Ark Encounter and the Creation Museum, the two leading Christian-themed attractions in the world. We've seen our numbers ever since the, the lockdowns uh, because of the COVID situation. Our numbers, have, have we're getting record numbers, and more and more parents are saying we're realizing we have to make a, a priority in regard to spiritual things in our families' lives. And so we want to bring them to have fun but have a spiritual impact. Amen. Ken, I just want to say thank you so much. I mean, we'll talk to you again because you'll you'll write another book next month and, and we'll we'll have you back <laughs> on to discuss that. But I just want to say thank you for the contribution 
that you've made to the body of Christ. We as parents, we take it seriously, the role that the Lord has given to us. He's entrusted these children to us. And you and all of your staff there at the Ministry of of Answers in Genesis, you guys have made it easier for us to do what the Lord has called us to do. So thank you so much for the incredible work that you do. Hey, thank you. Appreciate it. Anytime. All right. God bless you. Ken Ham, everyone. The book is Creation to Babel, a commentary for families. You can go to Answers in Genesis and pick up your copy of it. Uh, This is the thing that you've been waiting for. You've said, man, how can I combine apologetics and science and devotion and doctrine? How do I find that all in one place? Well, you asked and (laughs) the ministry has responded. Ken Ham, Creation to Babel. Go to Answers in Genesis and pick up your copy. We're out of time. Until tomorrow, Lord willing. God bless.